This week's episode is sponsored by Smart Home. Looking to simplify your life? Whether it's planning your week or just remembering where your appointments are, Smart Home can help with that. They provide everything from personal assistance like Google Home or Alexa to automated lighting systems and security cameras like Ring for your home. Their products are affordable, easy to program devices that communicate over your home's existing wiring and over radio frequency signals. That means that your appointments are always remembered and that your house is always safe. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, you can use the discount code NERD10, that's N-E-R-D-1-0, at checkout for 10% off on their website, smarthome.com. You can follow them at Smart Home on Instagram and at Smart Home Inc. on Twitter. Hey guys, this is Nick Howard, and you're about to listen to my episode of Pop Nerd Lounge. Enjoy. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Ham. Thank you for tuning in to another conversation with a fellow creative. If you enjoyed these discussions, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform to stay tuned when our latest episode drops. My guest today is a singer-songwriter originally from the UK and is now based in Nashville, Tennessee. He's performed over a thousand shows, released six albums. He even won The Voice in Germany back in 2012. He recently dropped a single called Where We Call Home. Please welcome my guest, Nick Howard. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is Nick Howard. Nick, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the Pop Nerd brand. That's a great name for a site and a vlog. I consider myself a nerd at heart. So it was when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is for me. <laughs> I appreciate that. Like, what we try to do here is we try to, first of all, we nerd out about most things, whether it's like dance or music, but we also try to create a space for creatives to share their story and to inspire other uh, creatives out there. So yeah, we love, love that, that you, we love that you appreciate our brand. So thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Before we begin with my questions, I have a little icebreaker for you. What was the first yeah. album that you ever purchased? It's funny. I've, I, I was asked this question before and for years I was always like the first uh, album I bought was bad by Michael Jackson because it's like the first cassette I remember like having and owning and that's a great answer but then I realized later in life I was like actually I think the first CD I actually bought with my own money that I got from like a paper out and this is very embarrassing but I'm proud of it at this point is was the Spice Girls first album so <laughs> I went from the coolness of Michael Jackson the Spice Girls are pretty cool now they're pretty vintage so you know but yeah so one of those two is the answer <laughs> I love that first of all cassettes <laughs> Does anybody past their generation remember them? Because like I talked to Gen Z and they're like, cassettes, what are those? And I'm like, Come I on. know. Yeah. But you know, they're so hip again now, cassettes, right. that in a way, if you held on to any, you're in a good spot. Yeah, same thing with like <laughs> records too, like records making a huge comeback with being vintage and whatnot. So yeah. Exactly, yeah. But I, I guess that was probably, that album was probably from either my mom or my dad. They had it on cassette and I remember buying a CD of the Spice Girls and I was like, oh, I'm so great. Now I can buy my own music. <laughs> What's your origin story in music? Oh, origin story makes me sound like Wolverine, which is cool. Music has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. It was always in our house growing up. My my parents weren't, weren't together. We lived with my mom and my grandmother. My grandma 
lived upstairs and had a big piano. We went to church when we were growing up and listened to music at church. My mum would play the guitar in church. When I'd see my dad, he would always introduce me to, to new music. And so I was just surrounded by it always. And from a very young age, I just thought this would be a really great way to to live if I can make a living out of it somehow and here we are a few years later and I'm still just about managing to do that. <laughs> Did you ever have a plan B aside from music or was music like the only thing that you wanted to do? It was always the end goal but I certainly had about 3,000 plan B's in order to, to get to, to be able to do music full-time so I, I went to college I studied computer science in college and after I came out, I worked for five or six years in New York City. I moved to New York right after college and worked in a, like a digital market, marketing thing for five years while I was building enough music credentials to get an artist visa and be able to support myself full time from touring and all that stuff. Yeah, I certainly, certainly have plan Bs and I, I still fall back on those now when I need to, especially this year. It's been such a crazy year. So I'm grateful to have that, the, the nerdy side of my life as well. <laughs> to bring it back full circle. <laughs> like you mentioned, you're originally from the UK, but you spent most of your adult life in the US. So mm -hmm. how did that lead you to Nashville? It's so interesting. It, my life has been a, a roller coaster of like geography. I, I moved to the US when I, well, when I really first came, I was 19. I, was, I did an internship when I was in college in New York and, and my sister had already moved here to set her, her own path in life. And so I, I always had this fascination with it and always wanted to be here. And then I lived in New York for several years, like I was saying. And then when started, things started happening for me with music, I ended up, ironically, spending a lot more time back in Europe again and touring a bunch in Europe and opening for bigger bands. And then I, I was on the show The Voice over in Germany, which is another random story segue. And then that brought me, but then I, that sort of parlayed back into the US again. And every time I came through Nashville, whether it be on tour or to record, my wife and I were like, you know, this is, looks like a really nice place to maybe start a family and, and grow up and have the family grow up. And after nine years of coming here, we were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's pick up and move down to Nashville. So that's what we did. And we've been here for three years. It's awesome. And I think a lot of people think of Nashville as just, you know, the country music or they think of like the, the bars down on Broadway. But it's, it's a fascinating city with so many different elements. And it's like a big, small city with great community. And the pop music scene, which is what I'm in, has grown and grown over the last 10 years. And it's just, an, it's just a nice place to live. I like it. <laughs> like you mentioned, you did a stint on The Voice in Germany and ended up winning. And when yeah. I was impressed that you learned German in like two months. So what was that experience like being on the show and winning? It was amazing. I really enjoyed every minute of it, honestly, because I'd been touring for about three years at that point, full time and building a fan base and just grinding, playing like 150 shows a year. And after about three years of doing that, I was like, I need something to lift me up a little bit. And just you can only play to so many people live, even if you play every single night. And the show had only been around for a few years and, and I'd heard of great things about friends that had done it in the US and in the UK and I already had a fan base in Germany and I had a record deal over there and so they asked me if I wanted to be on the show and I was like yeah that sounds great and they were like you have to learn German in two months uh, to be able to communicate with the judges and I was like oh okay and not one to shy away from a challenge I, I just went for it and somehow managed to learn enough and then ended up winning the show and it was a great experience I loved it. Man, what a Cinderella story. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can <laughs> learn a language in two months and then win an entire you know, show. It's so funny because I think that was the biggest barrier for me with the, mu the music part of it. I had no problem at all. I was so used to being on stage and I was just so grateful to get a chance to play for that millions of people every week because I knew how valuable that was. And 
you don't get a chance to do that very often. So for me, I was always really nervous to have to speak after performing. And in a way, that probably made me like super relaxed, like performing music, because I was like, oh, this is a bit, this bit's easy. But I was talking to someone yesterday about this, and you, like you probably learned a language, in, another language in school, and I did too. But if you don't really need to use it, it just goes in one ear and out the other. But when it's like, oh, your career's writing on this, you're like, okay, I think I'll, <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll pay extra attention. Yeah, for some, and then since that was eight years ago now, somehow, and so it's, I've gone back and done many interviews and all that stuff, so it's kind of got better over the years, I think. You should ask a, ask a German person. <laughs> You've played over a thousand shows in your career. What's the best part about performing live, and what do you miss most about it since performing live has been limited in these times? Yeah, it has. I really miss, I, I, I think that music is the one, this beautiful, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to sound cliche, but it is this one sort of language that everybody in the world speaks um, and understands. And even if you don't understand a language that a piece of music is written in, you still can understand the emotion of it. And when I play, when I perform live and I look out at a crowd, I just feel for a brief moment in time in a world that is full of division. So this beautiful sort of like hour of harmony where people just forget about everything else and they're all in, in for the same reason and it's just enjoy this moment that we have together and I think not being able to do that this year has made me realize how important it is we all need these reminders that actually we're all pretty much the same even though we're told differently every day it seems and so I miss that part of it I miss that community and the harmony of it and bringing people together and I can't wait for the world to get back to some kind of normal where we can where we can play shows again and I'm sure you miss going to them. I miss going to concerts too. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I definitely miss going to them. Whether they're like small, intimate local shows or whether they're like the big arena shows. Definitely, like you said, it's like you get for two hours or whatever, you forget that people have different belief systems or whatnot, or they're from mm -hmm. different places and you all just, you love the same artists. And so you're there for the same purpose and it unites everybody, like you said. It's just a very... Yeah. A good equalizer. Yeah, it's a really great equalizer, and there's not many of them. Maybe sports are the other, is the other thing, and and but it's that's pretty divisive, I guess sometimes. But yeah, music is really this kind of like unicorn of one thing that everyone agree we need in our life. You're not only an artist, but you're also an entrepreneur. Where did the concept of bookable come from? That came out of basically trying things. Or I'm always trying to rewrite the script a little bit and see, try new ideas and innovate and mix it up and see what works and what doesn't work. And after a couple of years of touring after The Voice, I was just we were like, I'm doing the same show in the same city. A lot of the same people are coming and I feel like we can do something a little bit different. And at that time, I'd noticed people doing private shows and house shows, backyard shows, corporate, whatever it might be, company events, playing, booking your favorite artist to play your proposal to your, your spouse, whatever it might be. And so we used me as a guinea pig and we were, threw it out there to my fan base. Hey, if you want to book me for a show, it can be anywhere. Just reach out and we'll try and make it happen. And it was really popular. And so then we thought, let's let's maybe try and make a platform that enables this to happen on a bigger scale. And so we came up with this idea of Bookable, and it's been awesome. We've been we've done shows all over the world and connected fans with artists and uh, brands with artists. And there's no sort of limit on what kind of show we can put on. It's really exciting. And this year was was obviously been challenging because you can't really do a lot of live events. But over the summer and into the fall here, we started a series called secret sounds where we had maximum 25 people socially distanced outside shows everybody wearing masks blah 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 very safe 
and uh, we were able to get artists on stage and, and able to provide people some live music until the weather got too chilly. And it was a really popular series and we did about 20 of them. We did a jazz one on a rooftop in downtown Nashville. We did this Secret Sounds one outside this beautiful spot in Nashville. So it was really cool. And then we just ran out of good weather, unfortunately. <laughs> That's fantastic. I feel like that's something like more needed in music these days. Cause like you said, it could be like the artists having the same booking, the same gigs or seeing the same fans and you want to open it up to more people. You want it to be more accessible. So having those kind of opportunities where it's like a private gig or something mm. more intimate, I feel like would be so many more opportunities. Yeah, exactly. It's endless. And then so we also we would pair it with a wine tasting and we'd have a winery come in and talk about the wines that people were drinking or, or do it with a chef and have the chef prepare some hors d'oeuvres. And there's so many like cool applications of it. And so I'm hoping that next year we're able to double down on that and do tons more and bring it to Oklahoma and to Chicago and to Atlanta and make it roll it out across the country. It'd be really awesome. Yes. And hey, we're looking forward to it. If you ever bring it here to Oklahoma, for sure. I'll sign up Absolutely. for a show. Are you where, where, are you in Tulsa or where are you in Oklahoma? Uh, Norman, Oklahoma. So that we're the university. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we're the University, university. of Oklahoma. So yeah, that's yeah. where I'm at. I have two two of my my neighbors went to Oklahoma, so they they tell me about Norman. They say it's quite. They say it's fun. It is fun. It's a lot of fun. Being in a college town, it's a fun atmosphere, but definitely I love the feeling that we're a hybrid of a small town. You get a little bit of a city, small town kind of thing because we're yeah. not super tiny, but you get like the small town feel of knowing everybody in the community, but you also get different things from the city. So it's a yeah, nice totally. little blend. <laughs> Absolutely. My uh, my wife went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and that's a similar vibe like as a town. It's really awesome. It's a great, like exciting college town, but it's small enough where people see it, know each other and it's cool. Yeah. So bringing it back to music festivals, talk to me about Nomad Music Festival and what it's been like since you started it. Yeah, I had the idea. I, I remember like being in, in high school and my friends and I would put on like these shows and these little mini concerts and things like that. And we always I just always really enjoyed it. A few years ago, I was like, I want to do my own music festival. And Germany was a good place to do that because I have a fan base there. And it, and you would have kind of a, at least a, bill, a few people that would turn up if I played on the bill and, and whatnot. So we found a vet, we found like a venue for it or a space for it and we did it and it was really cool the first year and then we did it again and the second for the second one and it was really like bigger and we did it outside and tons of people came and then unfortunately this year we had to cancel it of course but i'm really hoping next year we can get it going again we will bring a lot of us artists over to europe to, to play for people who were fans of theirs but the artists didn't get a chance to to tour in europe much and so i focused on that and then tried to have some local artists to give them a chance to play in front of people so it's it's I love creating things, and so this music, the Nomad, was just another outlet for me and another project. It's like building a show that you would want to attend, and that's cool. It's kind of what I wanted to do when I was younger. I was like, okay, if I could get Beyonce and Justin Timberlake in the same room, <laughs> and like all these different artists, I would totally put them on my roster for a festival if I could. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I love that. That's that's exactly what I tried to do. I was like, would I want to come to this? And when we've done the festivals, I book people I'm fan, I'm a fan of. We had uh, a couple of years ago, we had Tyler Hilton and Kate Vogel come over from here. We had Eric Hutchinson. We've had. Greg Holden, and these are all people that I listen to their music. So it's, it, I was in the audience after I played my set. Like, all right, this is awesome. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> you released your single, Brave, recently, which is incredibly relevant in these times. Why is the single important to you? 
I try and write music now. I guess I've always tried to write music that sort of makes light of a of a bad situation, or try tries to at least help people me understand something in life. And because I think that's really what songwriting is essentially, it's trying to figure things out. We talked about it a bit before. It's not no secret the world is very divided right now. This country is very divided, and I, it's really the music. I've, the last two singles I've put out, or two of the bigger ones, Our Time, which came out a couple of years ago now, and Brave. I'm just asking people a question like, what kind of world do you want to live in and raise your kids in? Do you want to continue to live in a world where half the people hate the other half of the people? Or do you want to live in a world that's a bit more unified and kinder and more tolerant and just a better place? Because we're really capable of it as humans. We've seen that over you know the course of history. We can do amazing things when we work together and we we, I don't know, a better kinder towards one another and more tolerant of one another. We can also do awful things when we're not that way. So it's like, what do you want to, what do you want to live in? What, what kind of society do you want to live in? So it's not easy, which is where the brave thing comes from. And it's hard and you might have to make sacrifices and you might have to admit that you're not always right and check your ego at the door. So it's like, that's what the song's about. It's like, we can do it, but you're going to have to be a bit brave about it and just try and make the world a bit better. What a great message for the times right now. Because yeah, it's like about using our voice. It's about setting, like you said, our ego aside and thinking about the humanity in the bigger picture versus like our own selves. Yeah, exactly. That's what it's about. Hopefully it resonates. (laughs) (laughs) If you could have a conversation with yourself and tell yourself, thank you for something, what would it be? Interesting. If I could thank me for something, I would be... That's a cool question. I've never had that before. I would just thank, thank, maybe thank myself for never giving up. That's my mantra in life. I've, always, I just don't see failure as an option for better or worse. <laughs> maybe I should, but I just, I, I don't. I, I will always. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes I'll get down. I get depressed, just like everybody. But I'm always able to see some slither of hope or positivity in any situation. And so I guess I'm thankful to have that attitude. I don't know why I have it, but you know, I'm just maybe there's something a little wrong with me. But yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So I, I would thank me for not giving up music ten years ago because I've seen the joy it's given me over the last ten years. And yeah, that's a cool question. I love that you work with younger artists and you help them develop their career. So, what's some advice you wish someone told you early on in your career? People probably told me, and I probably just didn't listen very well, but it's, it, it, you really have to have a lot of patience. And I think we live in a world now, which is such, it's all about instant gratification, everything we do on social media. And we expect, it puts a single out and expects a million streams in a week. And if they don't get a million streams in a week, it's like a failure. And I'm like, that, I'm like that's not how life works. And so I, patience, as annoying as that is to hear as an artist, because I know how annoying it is. You have to be patient. And I I tell people all the time, younger artists, everyone is talented and everyone can make a great song now. So what's it going to come down to to distinguish you from everybody else? And I think one of the things you can do to help yourself is to, to just hang in there longer than anyone else. Because if you keep swinging, at some point, success will find you. And if you don't, if you give up on it and go and do something else or complain all the time, it won't. And so at the very least, you can't, there's no formula to have any success in music or anything in life, really. But if you can just hang in there and keep putting out great stuff and keep believing in the stuff you're putting out, it, success will, is much more likely to find you if you can do that. And don't just expect everything to be 10 million streams in a week every time you put music out. <laughs> 
we do live in an instant gratification world, especially with social media, like you mentioned. I know that mm-hmm. if people are, now that TikTok's a huge thing, if they're like, oh my God, I only got a hundred something views on this, not like a thousand or yeah, hundreds yeah. of thousands of views. And they're like, Is, did I do something wrong? And I'm like, no, it takes a lot of work to build a viewership. Right. Same thing with yeah. music. It takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to get those millions of streams on a single or whatnot. And so, yeah, yeah, like you said, patience is something that's super hard to learn, but is incredibly valuable to us. Creators. Yeah. And also, I think not falling for the numbers game, because that's another thing that was told now is it equals success. But I know artists or I've seen artists that have, I don't know, let's say, 100,000 uh, Instagram followers, but nobody comes to their shows. I say to other artists, well, what would you rather have? 10,000 followers, but they all come to your shows and buy a ticket and pay money and buy your T-shirt and buy your merch or 100,000, but nobody comes to see you live. So it doesn't equal a real fan always. It's not a real reflection of like your, how valuable you are as an artist just because you have a million um, subscribers. We can all be a bit fooled by the numbers game and the statistics game. And the problem is that it's just that we're constantly told that is the goal right now. But, uh, but I think the question is, who are your followers? And, wh- you know, what that's more important than how many do you have? Absolutely. In the name of following, like, definitely quality over quantity. Because, like, mm-hmm. you, like, your OGs, the people that were there for you in the beginning support you. That is going to matter so much more in the end than how much, like, the vanity metric of your followership. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And those people, real fan, will stick with you for 20, 30 years of your career. And that's really what you're trying to focus on on, on, on building is people like that. So there you go. That's a long answer. Sorry. I get to talk a lot. So what's one practical step aspiring musicians can take today to enhance their musical journey? You got to have, like I said earlier, you have to assume that every everyone can put out great music, right? So at the very minimum, your brand and your brand identity is like really important right off the bat. Who are you? Because if, if it doesn't look right, like we just talked about, you don't get you don't get people's attention for very long anymore. So you've got to come out of the gate with a really good looking product, like know who you are. What's your sort of brand identity? Does your website look really good? Is it easy for me to find your music? Are you make, are you up to date on all, the, all your social media accounts? So they look, is there a nice sort of theme across all of them because you, you, it's so hard to get someone's attention nowadays to listen to 10 seconds of your music and visual is what we all do every day we look at our screens constantly and if you want to compete with Beyonce who you that's who you're competing with if you're in the pop world you have to look at that you know that's the top of the food chain then you got to at least look and sound like you're on that playing field so with that comes don't rush things don't put out music that isn't ready to be released don't do a live stream unless you're ready unless you can play the songs that you've written properly on the guitar or the piano and because someone might discover you for the first time and that's the only opportunity you're going to get to try and make them a fan so like i said earlier patience is important and that kind of applies here too make sure when you come out the gate everything is like ready to roll sounds very music in there's a very music industry answer I, I hope it doesn't sound too like that but it's it's the truth <laughs> yeah, it is super practical because yeah creatives were good at creating the art but then when we have to think about the business side of things we're like oh my god what do we do we're like a deer in headlights we're like okay how do i look yes how do i we rely on other people for marketing or for making our social media look good or whatnot like it, mm-hmm. and so very rarely do we think about the business side of things but it's so important that's yeah. half the battle to get you absolutely 
different from other people is making sure that you take that into consideration. Yeah. And, and just on the business side and every artist, and you see this more is more common now, but like every artist needs to be fully aware of the business implications of what they do for a living and, and what publishing is and what a record company does is supposed to do and the difference between a record label and a publisher is and how you get paid. Like A lot of artists don't really even understand that. Like how can you make money from your art? What happens when you have a song used in a TV show or a song played on a radio? Like where are those royalty streams coming from? And there is an infinite amount of um, information online to learn this stuff. There's no excuse to not know it. It's all free. You can just do Google things. So yeah, that's definitely a practical thing is to understand the business of, that you're in. That's very important. <laughs> such a good note to wrap things up. Nick, this has been such a thoughtful and incredible conversation with you. I'm going to turn the floor over to you and you can tell our listeners where to find you on social media, where to stream your music. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you. Oh, thank you. It's a little pressure. Well, th firstly, thank you so much for having me, Steph. It was great to meet you and I appreciate it. And I'm really big fan of what you're doing in Pop Nerd Lounge. It's really cool. I hope I can get to play a show in Oklahoma and I can play shows wherever your readers and listeners and viewers might be checking in from. Hopefully next year I'm back out on the road here in the US and, and in Europe and I can see some people at a show. And in the meantime, you can check me out on social media. I'm at Nick Howard Music everywhere. And all my music's available on Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon and everywhere else you might listen to music. And I've got about five records that I've put out over the last 10 to 12 years. And hopefully you'll find a song in there you like <laughs> out of all, the, all of them. Nick, thank you so much for speaking with me this morning. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Nick for being today's guest. The takeaway from the conversation I've had with him is it's the quality over your audience rather than the quantity. In today's society of obsessing over vanity metrics, it's easy to lose yourself in how many followers, likes, and comments you get rather than just focusing on the people that genuinely support you. Remember that next time you open one of your favorite social media platforms. If you want to learn more about Nick, visit the links in the show notes. Pop Nerd Lounge is a two-man operation, rather I should say two-women operation. It is executive produced by Steph Pham and V. Co. V. Co. serves as the show's creative director, and Steph Pham is the show's host and editor. You can find us on social media at Popner Lounge. For an easy, convenient hub of everything Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. That's it for this week. Tune in next time for another conversation with the fellow creative. I'm Steph Pham.